0: Hey, we just wanted to give this episode a trigger warning because we do talk about eating disorders and, uh, we just want you to know what you're going to listen to when you get into it. Thanks. Thanks. Hey everybody, this is Talk Like a Lady, a podcast where we find out all about our favorite ladies. I'm Carly Morton.
1: And I'm Jessica Fontana. And today our guest is one of our favorite authors, B.B. fucking Easton. It's B.B. fucking (gasps) Easton. Woohoo! (laughs) What are we drinking today, B.B.? We are drinking
2: Jameson that so uh, delightfully arrived in my mailbox, <laughs> which is the best kind of Jameson. The kind that I don't even have to go to the liquor store for. So you know. thanks, ladies. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome.
0: Uh, I know that we're not supposed to send liquor through the mail, and I didn't give a shit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's the most illegal thing you've done. Mm, mm-mm. Well, probably not. Mm-mm. Well, most certainly is not. Oh goodness. Oh shit. This legal thing this week. Right. Yes. That's Correct. probably a fair assessment.
0: Yeah. We um yeah, I don't do anything illegal. Mail mail things in the mail.
1: I mean, I don't know. I'm a real follower.
0: Um okay, so since we have to give you homework we asked you to tell us about um a badass lady that you're digging right now that's right yeah so Billie Eilish oh
2: tell us why you think she's a badass so it kind of hammered home for me how much of a badass I think she is after watching the Super Bowl halftime show. Like, I already was in love with her. Mm -hmm. Um, She sings like an angel. She's an absolute genius. She's like a toddler. She's (laughs) so young and has accomplished so much. Um, I love that she just creates things in her brother's bedroom and that they're new and different and fresh. But what I love about her that is so refreshing and like gives me so much hope for women is the fact that she wears such baggy fucking clothes she has this banging body she has a rack to die for Mm -hmm. as somebody with like who can barely fill out an a cup I, (laughs) I appreciate a good rack and and she completely hides her body so to focus on her talent and her attitude and her swagger, but after watching the halftime show, and I was amazed. I am team JLo Lo and team Shakira. I was oh, yeah. amazed. They look amazing. They, they're you know complete badasses in they their badasses and
1: their own right her, for sure. But
2: they came up in an era of pop stardom when you had it wasn't even a, an option not to mm-hmm. shake your ass. Yeah. It wasn't an option not. To show your body. It wasn't an option not to be a sex symbol. I think about the way that like Christina Aguilera was sexualized Mm -hmm. and Mandy Moore was sexualized and Britney Spears was sexualized in that same era. And they were not much older than Billy, you know? Yeah,
0: they were. And I mean, even
2: younger actually, because they were like Mickey Mouse Club kids. Yep. And and it just kind of made me sad watching the Super Bowl that I was like, you know, I hate and if they're having fun and that's what they want to do, that's fine. But to me, it kind of felt like, you know what, I'll bet they would also like to just get up there and sing and have people appreciate that mm-hmm. and not have to feel like they need to get on a pole and look 30, even though they're 50 and, you know, be bronzed and waxed and plastic surgeons up and oh yeah, just to be able to perform as, and be appreciated for the talent of their voices. And the fact that Billie Eilish is able to do that and still earn five Grammys without having to show her tits is like such a a bold thing to do. Right? I nice. wouldn't. I went. Would, I would have been like, "Yeah, doll me up, man. Like, I wanna. I wanna make some money. Like,
1: I wanna look do good this. on that. high I wanna definition. look beautiful. <laughs> I want. Yeah, I
2: wanna look good.
1: And well, you
2: Shigami know, on the
1: flip on the flip side of that though, I was totally cool with J Lo and Shakira oh, though God. because they look good at some they point amazing as a country they we have to realize good. that it's also okay to show some skin and it's also yeah. okay to move our bodies <laughs> and Especially not everything you has can. to be sexualized right
2: yeah right it needs
1: to be your choice too you know so yeah I,
2: right like i see both sides like yeah. I, I definitely
1: i mean i'm a total
2: womanist feminist whatever like i feel right. like you should be able to walk down the fucking street naked if you want to and not get sure. harassed and not right have to answer to anybody for it right but on the other side of it i just wonder how much of it feels like an obligation you know like if you don't want to do that i think it's cool that now it kind of feels like that's an option too and
0: she's she's still like one of the only ones that are doing it that way too she's just like screw you guys look at these uh baggy clothes that match my hair and my shoes and my fingernails. <laughs> and my, yes. There's some Cruella DeVille fingernails. I
1: know. These I was like, crazy. holy shit,
0: how do you mm. pee with that?
1: I just, I she seems know. really humble, too. I know. Mm-hmm. Which I think is.
0: Like, when I was watching the Grammys, and every time she would win, she was just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> she was I completely know. surprised. I feel the same way about Lord. Yeah, yeah. Lord has that same kind
2: of
1: You're right. I'm just gonna
2: dance weird and wear baggy clothes and not wear a lot of makeup and just be myself and I love and have it. fun. I love it. How and great fun.
1: if if our generation would have had more of that.
2: Oh I know just
1: think I think the same thing about Lizzo though. Like mm-hmm. if I had a Lizzo to tell me to love myself and my body and all I, I feel like my world might be different I mean I obviously fucking yeah, cried I cried at Liz though
2: than- yeah oh, I me too at music midtown and, and <laughs> cried. oh yeah I was just yeah. she means so much to me I and know. she's the opposite I mean she shows she's the co- she they're making the same
1: statement yeah in, mm-hmm. in two totally different yes. ways yeah you 100%. know one has yeah it's
2: the, it's the same thing it's saying like. I don't have to. I don't have to look like Shakira if I don't yeah. want to. You know, yeah.
1: But I can whatever. look like me, and I
2: can flaunt that.
1: Yeah. When she what award show was? I think it was an award show when she said it's really hard to love yourself when the world doesn't love you back, and I was like, yeah. you're right, Lizzo. Yeah. You're so She's right. She's out there just like flinging yes. out truth. Oh, and yeah. her album
0: cover. It's <sighs> so good. Oh. Like I don't even know how many times I've listened to that album, and we went. To, we had to drive to Omaha to see her and um she was so good and she was the headliner and she had on a like outfit a leotard outfit but it it gl- it had like lights like all a over bustier it. oh yeah. yeah it was so it was so hot I don't mm-hmm. even care I was just like damn
1: girl yeah I mean she's stunning oh, yeah. though like I, I just yeah I love her, was so her much.
0: skin so flawless <laughs> I don't have. I have everything about her.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh! What Um, was your um, highlighted charity or organization?
2: The Bookworm Box. Yay! I will do anything and everything that Colleen Hoover and or the Bookworm Box ask me to do. (laughs) I will. I will build a school for aliens on (laughs) Neptune. Like I will. Can you tell anything they want? I just. It's so. It's so amazing, and the story behind it.
1: Yeah, tell us Mm -hmm.
2: that. Connie Hoover, uh, who's now a friend of mine. She used to just be a complete idol of mine, Mm -hmm. as she is for everybody in this indie romance community. Mm -hmm. Um, She, I mean, eight years ago, I think it was almost exactly eight years ago, was living in a single wide, maybe a double wide, I think it was a single wide trailer with her three boys living not even paycheck to paycheck like was bouncing checks and then having to pay the $20 fee after she would get paid, which is, and, and she, she just had the support of her boss and her mom. And I guess her husband, she had this story she was writing. She didn't even have a computer. She borrowed her mom's computer would write at night and then slip it in her mom's car in the morning on her way to work so that her mom could use it for work. And when she and then her boss loved what she was writing and her boss was letting her write at work. And when she was done, she just uploaded the book to Amazon so that her grandmother could read it on her Kindle because she'd just gotten a Kindle. It was all brand new, the whole like self-publishing Kindle thing. (laughs) And within a couple of months it hit New York Times that was slammed. The title of the book. And so she she's a complete rags to riches story. And whenever you hear stories like that, a lot of times people will blow through their money or they don't know how to manage it or whatever. Colleen started a charity called the Bookworm Box. And it started with just a subscription box that comes every month that has a couple of donated signed books from her author friends or some swag or whatever. And then she expanded it to a whole bookstore where authors donate signed books and people can come and all the proceeds go to charity. And within just a couple years of opening, she had raised over a million dollars for charity.
1: That's so cool. This is
2: somebody who is living in a trailer, not even living paycheck to paycheck, just I mean a handful of months before. And she raised, I mean, like I don't think I've even made a million dollars in my life, let alone made it in a couple of years and just given it away. Gave it away. It's amazing. That's and so now they're amazing. doing Book Bonanza, yeah. which is um and it's like the biggest signing oh, I them. know of right. every year. It's incredible. It's in Dallas at the Gaylord. If anybody has the opportunity to go, you must. It's amazing. It's, it's an extravaganza. Um, and all of the proceeds go to charity for that as well. It's just that is so it's, cool. It's so crazy. And her family, her sister, her two sisters help her, um, and her mother's involved too. And her husband is moving to, it's like the entire family Yeah, um, is so committed to, and now they're starting to build schools. Um, through this project called build on wow um it's just it's just i'm like that's... what the fuck have i done you know
0: <laughs> I'm i've like, done nothing i am making nothing. somebody
2: feel like an underachiever that's so she's amazing so, trash yes. on the
0: ground next to
1: colleen's
0: feet yes
2: absolutely they're just, awesome they're so amazing
1: they're so when somebody amazing do that and organize that and Mm-mm.
0: that's good people and she's freaking hilarious and she's hilarious what? that's that's the one that you met I did meet her yeah yeah yeah. You at a told book me about signing her. and I had on a team husbot shirt and <laughs> she said after she <laughs> signed my book I said oh bb says hi and she said if you don't get that piece of trash shirt out of my face I'm gonna <laughs> rip it off of there And I was like I love you
2: it's so funny. Like, people don't understand her humor because she does it. She makes fun of people when they come up to her table. That's right. just, that's it's her humor. She doesn't like being real serious with people. She likes to make people laugh. Right. And um, oh, she'll I insult people died. and they don't know. And they'll be like, <laughs> they'll walk away from her table just like <laughs> devastated.
1: I can't believe that hasn't, like, that rumor hasn't spread. Well, <laughs> that's I, I think is. people know now. Yeah. She's she's yeah. big time.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, there was, there was this one girl. So, you know, her best friend is Taryn Fisher. Yes. Who's another author. And Taryn has this cute little logo for her Facebook group, the PLNs. And it's like this cute little drawing of a girl reading a book with her hair in a messy bun. Mm-hmm. And somebody had that picture as their cell phone case <laughs> on the back and had the PLN girl. <sighs> and Colleen was like, I hate your phone case. <laughs> and it's like her best friend, you know, she was just teasing her. And the woman was like why and didn't didn't even know who <laughs> Taryn Fisher was or what that like it was just she just I guess, liked the she just liked the drawing the
1: messy, yeah the so she was like
2: girl. so confused and upset because Colleen was like really harping on her so <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: Oh my God. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. If I didn't know that and You'd and out. I, yeah, and I went up to somebody I admired and they yeah, did that, I'd, I'd be probably be And they were like, like ah, God oh, I know.
2: But she loves Ken. She likes Ken so much more than me. She only <laughs> invites me to things so that I'll bring him. Yeah. <laughs> and she's very, she's very like, oh, we'll, we'll go to her signings or we'll see her somewhere or whatever. And I'll go up and hug her. I remember at Book Bonanza, the last Book Bonanza, I saw her and I came up and hugged her. And she hugged me back for about points. Seven seconds, and then shoved me away with both hands <laughs> and reached over to Ken and she's like, Ken, like push me like ten feet away, like,
1: oh, out of the way, today. bitch. Uh, yeah. Does she appreciate him just because he's Ken, or does she need like retirement advice?
2: <laughs> no, oh no, she just she just loves Ken. She well, she found me through forty-four chapters. She read forty-four chapters about four men and fell in love with his character. And then she invited me to a party, no, to a signing at the bookworm box. And she was like, You should bring Ken and you guys should stay at my house. (laughs) (laughs) So so we did but it was very apparent that she just wanted to hang out with my husband. That's great. No, whatever it takes.
1: It's fine. (laughs) I mean, whatever. You were at (laughs) his house.
2: Right. What else is he? He's got a, you know, he's got his perks.
1: Well, that's amazing. That's that's perfect. Good organization.
0: Um, So we will definitely put that information on the notes for the podcast. Fantastic. Um, so now we're gonna talk to you about some real deep shit. Ready? (laughs) All right. right. Not at first. Okay. So I just want to know where you grew up and how did that shape you. I grew up in Oklahoma City, sort of. I lived there until I was six. Mm -hmm.
2: And um, it was, I'm an only child. Mm -hmm. And in Oklahoma, there was a horrible economic depression when I was Mm -hmm. a kid. My mom's an art teacher. And when the economy gets really, really bad, the first teachers they let. play off art, the special areas, the art and yep. music the or arts. whatever. Yep. Yep. My mom lost her job like three times in a year. She'd get another job and then she'd lose Ugh. it. And my father was, he had a guitar store. It was his, they were both kind of had, they both kind of had their passion jobs and they were both starving. They were starving. artists. My dad's a musician, my mom's an artist and they were both starving. And my mom read an article that, Atlanta was the fastest growing suburban area in the country and they couldn't hire teachers fast enough. So we moved, we had to leave Oklahoma where our family was come to Georgia so she could get a job. And my dad never reopened his guitar store. And, um, so times were better, but it was still kind of hand to mouth when I was a kid. Yeah. And I remember hearing hushed whispers about bankruptcy and Mm. money trouble and stuff when I was a kid and the message I kind of got was, well, covertly and overtly was that you cannot make money as an artist. And yes. I got, I have two artist parents. Like it was inevitable that I was going to, I painted and I drew and I was in plays and I wrote and I did poetry and, um, and they warned me every step of the way stop it. Get a good job. <laughs> my dad used to tell me every day, you have to get a master's degree. You have to get a public sector, a public sector job, get something with a pension, get something with benefits. Like, please, you're, you're too smart. Don't be an artist. I remember I painted this huge painting when I was in high school of this lion and it was all like pop art style. And my, I was so proud of it, it as my favorite thing I ever did. My dad came in and looked at it and he shook his head and he said, if you're not careful, you're going to end up doing this for a living."
1: Oh, and it was thanks, like this Dad. backhanded compliment, a backhanded compliment for sure. The,
2: the whole time they were saying, Oh God, you have talent. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> Don't stop. stop it. Don't. And what he mixed had this he would say, he was, art will break your heart. Uh. Art will break your heart. So I, so I didn't go into the arts. I, I would have loved to have gone to art school. Look at me. I would have, with my pink hair, I would have been a perfect art school chick. Right. And, but I became a psychologist and I worked for the school system. I was a school psychologist because it was like not even an option. It was like, you need to eat, you need a pension, you need to provide for your family. And so in a way, I think it kind of made art the forbidden fruit. Yeah. I wasn't ever trying to do art. To earn a living, it always stayed my hobby and my love and this burning thing that I had that I wasn't able to really express, you know, it was always just simmering and I was always very creatively frustrated my whole life, unless I had some little hobby or thing on the side. So when I wrote 44 chapters, it was the it was the pinnacle of my creative frustration. I had this very serious job. I had my natural hair color because I was <laughs> I was testing kids who may or may not have disabilities right. and then meeting with their parents and teachers to tell them the results and come up with interventions. Like I couldn't crack a joke and my personality is big and funny and, and, and irreverent and I fucking curse all the time. And, mm-hmm. and I had to squash all of that Ugh. in order to do this job and it was just killing me. And I remember looking at my husband after like eight years of this job and saying, I used to be funny. Like I couldn't, like I was
0: asking oh. like,
2: right. Do I even remember that? Right.
0: And, and he wouldn't answer you because he was like, I don't know, probably not <laughs> he was,
2: he was like, Stop looking at me. The braids game is on.
1: He's <laughs> um, like, let's talk about that pension. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. He's
2: like, are you making money? Yes. No, 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 no. Just bury that deep, deep down inside. So I started writing 44 chapters at night, I would come home exhausted, have a glass of wine, and that was like how. And if you haven't read the book, it's funny and it's it's just raunchy and it's like everything I'm not supposed to. Um, all of the parts of me that I couldn't express during the day. And it felt so good that I lived off of like two hours of sleep a night for a year while I wrote that thing and didn't give a fuck. Like I could have killed somebody on the road. Like the sleep <laughs> deprivation was was beyond. I was finding like scissors in the fridge. Like I was doing crazy <laughs> shit. Oh my God. Um, but I just was so, it just felt so good. For I mean, I was 30, I was 30 when I started writing that. So for 30 years, I had been just kind of denying that I was an artist and so I when I decided to publish it and it did well and I was like this is fuck it I don't care anymore I've spent (laughs) 30 years doing what everybody else wants and I'm gonna stay home for a couple years and write books and uh it was tense and Ken was not a real big fan of me walking away from that pension um but it's been four years now
0: and I haven't had to go back so that's yeah, that's amazing. He hasn't he
2: hasn't told me to <laughs> get a real job again yet.
1: I feel like but it's yeah, I really feel like, And I right.
2: uh, who was it? James Cameron. I watched an interview with him, and he said the same thing. He said that I think it was James Cameron. He said that his his mom would kind of encourage his drawing and his art, and his dad would come and like rip up his comic books that he was drawing and throw away, oh, and it made it made it the forbidden fruit. And when there's something that you want that you can't have. You just want it so much more. And I think that my upbringing really shaped that. It was like, instead of being encouraged, I was discouraged. And I have such a rebel spirit. I'm like, you don't tell me what to do.
0: (laughs) Not on this. That's kind of cool, though, because
1: I feel like that could go either way, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, you know, they could have kind of made it where you just would have never done that. Mm-hmm. But then your personality, it like fought through, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: For so. me, it made me want it more. But yeah, there are a oh, lot of people sure. who
2: just, if something isn't, isn't supported by their yeah. family, then it just isn't an option. And that's kind of sad. It's
0: really sad. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, it's everybody's dream to want to do what they love. Yeah. Because
0: yeah. So. a lot of people don't.
1: Mm-mm.
2: But it's funny because with my kids, I'm trying to encourage them whatever they're into. Yeah. I'm doing the opposite, so I'm mm-hmm. like, "Oh, you're into this? Let's let's get you classes. Let's do whatever." And I'm like, "Am I am I gonna fuck them up? I know <laughs> because, <laughs> like are they not gonna want to do it anymore because I'm encouraging them?
1: Right.
2: That's so how we'll it. see. It's a, it'll be a big experiment.
1: Yeah, they're gonna wind I'm, up being accountants like their I'm, dad. Maybe. Yeah, oh, I'm God. pretty convinced <laughs> that parenting is just one big experiment. Oh yeah. Because oh yeah. We never know. Are we gonna Until it's them? too late, right? Yeah, I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> You're like, oh, oops. I don't uh. know what I did, but it was probably <laughs> bad. So, kind of going back to growing up a little bit. What did you have? Woman influencers? Did you like? What was your relationship with the women in your life?
2: It's interesting. So, my mom was my best friend. Mm-hmm she's my opposite. She, well, I mean, we're both free spirits and artists or whatever, but she's very passive and she's very permissive. And I ran all over her, (laughs) but being an only child, she and I were total besties. Um, but so she, and she has a very quiet strength about her. She's amazing. She's just amazing. Um, I really look up to her. So she was a big influence on, I think just my, my emotional development. She was raised by these Oklahoma prairie women who came over on the fucking land rush. And it's like, they were tough bitches. Mm -hmm. They lost children. They, people got polio. Like it was real, real rough. And Mm -hmm. so she was just, she's just tough. She's sweet and very childlike and very wonderful, but very just emotionally stoic and tough. And then, I think something that really shaped my development as a woman was my dad because he was such a damn misogynist. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> my dad just, he didn't ha- he really felt like men were the king of the castle. You know, he had the whole like middle-aged white guy thing going and he, you know, my mom's place was in the kitchen, cooking him dinner and cleaning his house. And I used to fucking fight him tooth and nail and be like, why, why does she have to do this? Why, why don't you fold the laundry?" And I was just like, <laughs> came out of the womb. That's like raging feminist.
1: How did your mom deal with that? Yeah. I like it.
2: She was just, she was passed. She was raised, you know, in the fifties where that's how it was in her house. The Her mom was a stay at home mom and cater to everybody. And so she just kind of thought that was her role. Yeah. And, uh, she's very, like I said, she's very passive. And so she just wanted to make everybody happy, but he and I, man, we went at it. So I think that kind of solidified. like I had this, this, great woman that I looked up to. And then I wanted to stand up for her because she didn't yeah. really stand up for herself. And I think it gave me some backbone. So I didn't get my backbone for my mom. I got my backbone from kind of standing up for my mom and arguing with my dad. Huh. <laughs> I'm like, how did you wind up with this feminist daughter? I'm so sorry, but let's fight.
0: <laughs> sorry, not sorry. <laughs> yeah. That's, I'm going to go sad. shave that's my totally head. Now. I'm going to go shave my
1: head. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> How's that oh, for gosh. being the lady of the house? <laughs> God, I can't even. Can you just picture her dad? Mm. Ooh. I just imagine oh it's like my dad. Like combat boots. <laughs> like Yeah. Shaved head. Yeah. Oh, man. Dating grown ass men. Yeah. Grown ass men. <laughs> oh, man. Woo. I got my tongue pierced and my mother was convinced I was like. going to hell oh it wasn't even that she was just like uh she just was convinced i was gonna be like my my dad she she turned out like she figured it out but still it was a little jarring for her at first
0: my dad when i was 15 he took me to get my belly button pierced and then wow he bought me my first tattoo and then took me to get my tongue pierced yeah
1: that was man
0: yeah dad my goals yeah dad my, goal, Except for is <laughs> racist as fuck so it was <laughs> hey funny dad. I had
2: this so I had all my lady bits pierced I did not have yeah. my belly button pierced right but I had I had all the other areas oh, by the time I was like 16 with yeah. the fake ID Whew. there you go and yeah. I had this somebody gave me a keychain that said guess where I'm pierced <laughs> and I, my my dad saw it he had my oh, keys so he had to go move my car in the in the driveway or something, and he came back in like horrified, and he goes, "Tell me you didn't get your belly button pierced." <laughs> and I lifted up my shirt, and I'm like, "No, no, no. Joe, no, Dad, <laughs> oh,
0: no, I'm safe. <laughs> no piercings with my shaved head and my combat boots. Yeah, oh, can't gosh. you you believe me, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just stomp around like this with no piercings. No, no, mm, no. no. God." <laughs> that's pretty fantastic. All right. So, okay. In your books, you talk about your eating disorder. Mhm. And I didn't know if you wanted to talk about it now or if you could, you know, oh sure. pinpoint when you, you know, started having an eating disorder or like what might have started it? Oh my gosh. Yes. So I, and, and now I know
2: that it's a completely normal part of development, but I had always been kind of a skinny kid Mm -hmm. and then adolescents naturally kind of put on a couple pounds before they have their growth spurt. Mm -hmm. Of course you're supposed to, because you need that when you stretch out. Right. Mm -hmm. So in middle school, I started putting on like, I had a couple little rolls in my belly and my face was a little fuller and I was about to shoot up like six inches. Mm But I didn't know that. All I knew was that I no longer looked like, um, Kate Moss, who was queen of the universe at the time. And that was unacceptable. Right. And it was the same time. It was like my 12th or 13th birthday. I got a trampoline for my birthday and I would just go out there and jump for like an hour after school. I loved it so much. And I lost weight because of all the cardio. Yeah. And I got an onslaught of positive reinforcement. So many people were like, oh my God, have you lost weight? Oh, you look great. And it was like, I am such a praise whore being an (laughs) only child. Like, I know I sound like I'm such a rebel and I fight with my dad and blah, blah, blah. But deep deep down, I just want to make everybody happy. And I want to be the best. I want to be the best at everything I do. I want to look the best. I want to have the best grades. I want to make the, write the best books. I want to, you know, be the best psychologist. And so it was like, skinny equals praise. Skinny equals pretty. Skinny equals all good things. Not skinny is bad and terrible. Mm -hmm. So I, so I, I'm an extremist. So I was like, cool, let's lose even more weight. And I, so then I started, it's like, it's so dangerous. And so many girls go through that. I'm sure both of you guys have the same story where you realize that what you eat impacts how much you weigh and how you look. And then, oh, you have all this control and I'm a fucking control freak. Yeah. So I love that. And then it became a challenge and I love a challenge. So it was like, oh, I weigh 105 pounds. I bet I can get below hundred Oh my God. No, I know I can get below 100. I'm going to get below 100, and it and it at that at the, at some point it wasn't even about how I looked. It was about the number. Mm-hmm. It was about a challenge. It was about control, and praise, and all these other things got involved in it. And um, yeah, my I just I'm a I'm an overachiever and a perfectionist, and I just went I and then I couldn't stop. Then there was that fear that if I start eating normally, I'm going to get fat. Yeah. And nobody's going to love me. Nobody's going to want me. All of that. I mean, I feel like every woman, at least in, you know, first world countries Mm -hmm. where food is in such abundance and yet we're not supposed to eat any of it, have these food issues. And now Mm -hmm. I'm seeing it in boys. When I was a psychologist, um, a couple of, I didn't see it my first couple of years. I started in like 2007. I got started as a school psychologist. By like mm, 2010, 2011, I started seeing boys saying they were too fat when I would work with them and do small groups. And these were perfectly healthy, mm. beautiful, fourth and fifth grade little I only had elementary Aww. schools. fourth they and fifth babies. grade boys who were saying I'm too fat, I need to lose weight. and and I'm looking at a perfectly healthy, beautiful child, you know, who is 10. That's- and who is supposed to have a little baby fat and is about to go through that. And it was the same phase, you know, that I was in. So it's, it's, I hate, I was hoping that girls would have it less. And instead, I'm seeing that now boys have it too. I and I just, social media is helping. It, it's this. just heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. But it took, it took me have, getting pregnant to finally go, oh, oh, all of this has to fucking stop because yeah. I, I had a doctor get in my face my very first appointment when I was pregnant I was so excited to be pregnant and my very first OBGYN appointment they were like you are 20 pounds underweight your baby is high risk you could lose this pregnancy you're lucky you even got pregnant like your kid could have developmental delay like like you're a bad mom you're a bad mom your baby's gonna suffer (laughs) and so it just like snapped me the fuck out of it and I was like okay but then I, it was still a control thing about what I ate because it was like, well, I'm going to eat all the perfect things and I'm going to gain the perfect amount of weight. And so it was a couple years of being pregnant and nursing and being pregnant again and nursing before I finally had a healthy relationship with food and realized like, oh, my God. Actually, it was an Oprah episode.
0: <laughs> Isn't everything? not everything, everything go back Oprah. to Oprah? It really does. But it
2: was—it was during that time where I was learning to eat, and I was trying to do the right things. I was trying to be healthy, and I saw this Oprah episode, and there was a woman on there, and she was talking about her struggles with her size, and she said she learned to love her body, and she has—you know—she was like, I always hated my thighs, I have big thighs, I always hated my thighs, and then one day I realized these thighs take me where I want to go these thighs allow me to see the world and travel the world. And I love my thighs. I'm so grateful for my thighs. And I just like burst into tears. <laughs> it was like this whole body that I've been treating like shit. Yeah,
1: Like
2: I'm so, I love it. I should love it no matter how it looks because look what it does for me. So it was, it was a, it was a solid, I mean, from, Tw- I mean, there's ten. years When I got married, I weighed 89 pounds Jesus because Lord all the pressure of, of being married, of yeah. your wedding, you have to be so skinny. You have yeah. to look so pretty. And um yeah, I weigh. I'm five foot six. I'm supposed to weigh 120 pounds at the least, and I was 31 pounds underweight. Jesus. I was. My were feet skeleton. were turning purple and going numb. Uh-oh. I had all these. I I'd still have like c- circulation issues from it. It was really bad and i was in grad school and i was so stressed out but um it's been a long road and it's something that i'm happy to talk about because every i, I don't know a woman who hasn't struggled with food issues or body image issues oh, for sure. or show me a woman i'll show you somebody
1: who's had these these struggles right. well and i like that you've been really open um with your readers about that it's it in some ways continues to be a struggle for you. Like you do have to fight some of that at different times. I mean, obviously it's better overall, but there are times where that comes back. And I think that's very relatable because again, I don't know a woman who, you know, has some of those feelings and body issues. And then it just Mm -hmm. like goes away forever. There's always something. Well,
0: and it's just like, uh, if you're an alcoholic, even if you don't drink anymore, you're still an alcoholic. Yeah. You're just managing. And you still it. have those days where you're like
1: Man, tempted. I want to drink. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: Like I still have those days where I'm tempted to just like, oh, I'm just going to skip this meal. Yeah. Or, I'm just going to do an extra hour on the
0: treadmill because. I'm going to run on the treadmill for four hours. Yeah. Yeah. I don't just, do that because I really yeah. fucking hate it's, running. Oh, yeah.
1: I, I run, it. but I hate it. <laughs>
2: Oh, I can't. I I I swear. I think I have Barbie feet. You know how Barbie feet are, like, made for high heels?
0: You just (laughs) always walk on tiptoes.
2: They're just made. (laughs) Yeah. I was not bred for... I was...
0: I don't know what I was
2: bred for, but I wasn't running. (laughs) Uh, Listen, I'm about to text my husband.
0: Um... To bring me more Jameson. Uh, please uh, do. And then have
1: him say hello. Just,
0: right.
2: I'm out and I'm like, I can't, I'm all plugged in here. Yeah. I don't know if you
0: heard the cork pop out, but I just I poured did, more. And I like, my mouth salivated. I gave her the, a, the idea. She was salivating. She was like, oh,
1: <laughs> yes, please. Now, oh, goodness. Will you bring me more Jameson, <laughs> <laughs> please? That's fantastic. Pretty. And then uh, say
2: hello the please to on Jessica and
0: there. And He's Carney. trained me. He can he can come wave to us, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh can, yeah, because nobody can see him, right? No, right. no. Nope. We're don't just in wave. my basement. That's awesome. <laughs> we're literally in. I mean, you can see all this bullshit back here behind me. <laughs> Is that your stairmaster? Uh, that's an elliptical that never an elliptical. Okay. Thank you. I don't use it because I don't want to.
2: Because you, <laughs> just you. I just ew. I I admire people who I walk. I walk on the treadmill. I walk in the neighborhood. That's, a, I do yoga sometimes. Um, but like Ken works out and I just, it's, it hurts. It, it's like, if you're doing hard. it right, it's like, it's like, you're supposed to feel the burn. Like,
1: yeah. Ow. It's gross. I my just, dad is, hate it. My dad's in his sixties and that bastard still runs three miles a day. <sighs> and I'm like, dad, mm-mm. he's like, I just love it. I'm like, but I hate it. Why couldn't I have gotten yeah, that from you? Like,
0: I don't like running. Like, first of all, I feel like everything jiggles. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm always afraid Thank that I'm just going to. They want to say hi. This is Carly and Jessica.
2: Can you speak in?
0: No. Hello.
2: Oh, hi. Hello. Hey, I like oh, your uh, hoodie. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys know Jamie Ryder? She's in Team BB. She gave him that hoodie. Oh, nice. oh nice. Adorable.
0: Nice.
1: So this I, is Carly. Oh, look, he's a big old She's the one who
2: asked and... who you were supporting in the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. Okay. They're in
1: Kansas we're City. We're in Kansas City. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for the stuff you guys sent. Oh, oh
0: yes, yeah. I got his <laughs> catering. Oh, I hope you like that because uh, my child picked that flavor out. She said, I hope you like it because my child picked that flavor out. Uh,
2: okay. Yeah. yeah <laughs>
0: awesome. She's like, this is the best
2: one. <laughs> okay. She was right. Nice. Hey brought me Jameson. He's so good. Thank you. Oh, you're the, the best. best. You can just pour it in there. This is my second one. I don't Kill need ice honey. anymore.
1: Is this um, being recorded right now? Yeah, more? some of it. They're going to edit some yeah, out. I assume.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Boo. You. He just left the bottle. He knows me Thanks, so well. Thanks, Boo. He's, He's the like best. I'm gonna have him back here.
1: Also, he really is totally adorable. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He is adorable. He is yes. adorable, and we get to—we're gonna come see you in Chicago. So,
1: hey. oh, good. We'll they be like, remember
0: Chicago? that one time?
1: <laughs> we're the ones that <laughs> sent you the Gatorade.
0: We sent you Gatorade. Remember <laughs> us? That's adorable. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll just bring him more. <laughs> Please like. <lighten> yes. Me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Please. Love me. Here, yes. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about it before. That's all we want. We just we just, just like me. We want people to like that's us. That's all. all I
2: need. No, <laughs> actually, there are people who don't care. I don't understand those people. But that's I'm one of those people. Just no. like me. I just
0: want everyone to like me. Yeah, but yeah. and if not, fuck you.
1: So <laughs> this is one thing I wanted to ask you because doing this podcast, there are. This is our. What number will this one be? Six, Six or seven. seven. So, fairly new to this. Yeah. And sometimes, like, I. My head wants to explode because I'm an introvert and I totally give a fuck what people think. But Mm. you write books with pussies and cocks and. (laughs) You said pussy. (laughs) I did. Yeah. Good job. How do you, like, how do you just not give a fuck? I just, I admire it because I. Whew. I just... That's a tough one for you me. You just said it on the podcast. I did. And we're
0: not going <laughs> to... Sorry, <it> mother-in-law.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so
2: the first time I did it, the first book I wrote, I was 180 million percent sure that no one was going to read it.
1: Like, okay. it wasn't
2: even a question in my mind. I wrote it for me. Yeah. I had fun. I published it because I wrote it. And it was like, why the hell not? But... Like I had to go open a checking account for my, my new business, business and like really exaggerated finger quotes. Right. And the, when I opened the checking account, the lady was like, so how much do you expect to earn this year? And I like cocked my head and was like, what do you mean? And she was like, <laughs> in your business. And I was like, Fif- 50
0: bucks. maybe <laughs> You were like, first <laughs> she of was all, like, well, mind your own business. Right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> she was like, well, there's a $500 minimum to open the account (laughs) so I was like I borrowed money from myself that I never thought I would even see back
1: (laughs) and then Ken's brain exploded
2: absolutely (laughs) secure Uh. and warm and fuzzy in the fact that it was fine because nobody would read it and then lots of people read it but Mm -hmm. nothing bad happened nope lots of people read it I had the time of my life and the input, the feedback I got was, oh my God, me too. Oh my God, this is hilarious. Oh my God, that sounds just like my husband. Oh my God, that sounds just like me.
0: And oh my so God, it that's gave exactly what we said.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that reaction, because I like to make people happy. If the I'm sure if the response had been, you're fucking cunt. We <laughs> hate your fate. Like get yes. out of here. Yeah. I probably wouldn't have written more books. But the response was the complete opposite. So I I, I was like, okay, I can do this and make myself happy. And it seems to make other people happy.
1: So that's all I
2: really need. I don't get embarrassed. I am perfectly happy to make an ass out of myself. It doesn't, I don't, a lot of people, I know like my husband's an introvert and he has that, that fear of like Mm -hmm. shame or ridicule or embarrassment. He doesn't like being the center of attention. He doesn't want people to look at him. Um, I don't have that. I'm fine for you to laugh at me if it makes you happy. If that, like, if laughing at me is fun for you, that's fine. I'll take that. Um, oh, so that fun. So it's a combination. It's it's a. It made people happy, and B. I don't really have a
0: deep sense of shame. I think I'm missing that part of my brain. And oh, see, I you have have a don't deep deep sense have to of like shame. actually see most of these people. Yes. whether you've made them happy or not. Yes, they're nameless. But until they come to a signing and then it gets right. real awkward for some well, people. <laughs> but then like, that's how I deal with the podcast because it's like, oh my God, a hundred people listen to it. And I'm like, first of all, I don't know a hundred people. Second of all, <laughs> I don't see them. And so if they hate me, they can hate me in right, their car right. or whatever. That's fine.
1: No, that's, I that's it, it has been I'm shocking. Just, because the things that I'm, like, dying over people to hear, they are, like, I'm getting texts and emails yeah. and all this stuff. Like, that's fucking hilarious. I'm, like, oh,
0: okay. Yeah, she's <laughs> always, like, everyone's going to hate this part. Yes. And I'm, like, no, they're not as fine.
1: I know. Oh, I'm, I'm also an overthinker. Right. So I got you. I know. I'll help you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me yeah. help you. So I have asked this question to you as your reader, and you've answered me. Thank you. But our <laughs> listeners might not know this um, beyond what you've said. Like what was kind of the last straw to switch from like a, such a total switch from a, a child psychologist to a super amazingly dirty romance novelist? <laughs> <laughs> what um, was kind of that like final straw?
2: It was A whole lot of things all at once. So 44 chapters about four men came out February 2nd. So I just had my anniversary February 2nd of 2016. A week later, I sold the TV and movie option. Jesus, dude. A week after that, Colleen Hoover read it and... Posted about it on Facebook, and I hit the top 100 on Amazon and then because of the readers. And then you died. Colleen
1: Hoover did that.
2: <laughs> and then, so all of that all at once was like, "Oh, hey, hey, this is cool. This is going pretty well. This could awesome. be a thing." And I still wasn't thinking about doing it full time or writing more books yet. Until, but I had that desire. I was mm-hmm. like, "Okay, I like this. This mm-hmm. is fun for me." other people are having fun. I want to do this some more. And then in April, my daughter turned three. And when my daughter turned three, I went, fuck. She's my, she's my baby. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Ken got a vasectomy. We weren't having any more kids Mm -hmm. and I'm, and my baby was gone and I missed it. I felt like I missed it. Yeah. I was working. I was writing I was raising a three-year-old and a baby and I blinked and she was no longer a baby. And I wanted nothing more in my life than to be a mom. And the fact that I felt like I missed her infancy and toddlerhood was the final nail in the coffin. And I went, I begged Ken, I said, give me two years, two years, give me two years. I've got four books in me. I wanted to write a book for all four men. Mm -hmm. I got four books in me. I've got this kid that I want, I want to be the one that takes her to preschool. I want to be the one that picks her up. I want to be the one that's like packing the lunches. And, you know, we had a, we had a nanny that came to the house while I was working. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was like, I'm just give me two years. Like I'll sell my car. I had this brand new Mustang that I was in love with. I was like, I'll sell my car. I will, I will make every cut possible, but I was desperate. And the desperation wasn't, wasn't to write the books. The desperation was to sell my kids. Mm -hmm. And I got to do both of those things. And in those two years, I got the four books out. And by the end of, by the time she went to kindergarten, they were doing well enough that I wasn't, we were, we were okay. I didn't have to go back and, and here we are. And it's been amazing. But yeah, it was, it was my daughter turning three that I was like, oh, hell no. Never again. I'm not missing, I'm not missing anything else.
1: That's so cool. No, that's. That's, I have no idea what I want to be when I grow up, but I <laughs> always knew that I wanted to have kids and that they were going to be my main priority. I still, I have to work, but I have a schedule. So that do I. Yeah. <laughs> I
2: still work. Right. And they know, like they get yeah. home and, and I get them off the bus, but then I go back to work and I'm like, yeah. y'all are on your own. Don't eat all the Cheez-Its. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> Mama's got to work.
1: Yeah. No, it's. It just looks
2: different now, but yeah.
1: That's pretty cool. You're literally like. So many people's dreams of just doing what you want. It's so cool. It's yeah. just
0: and working hard for yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm my That's own working. dream. I, I didn't this
2: wasn't even a dream that I had, which is the crazy part. so many people are like, oh my God, you're living your dream. I'm like, no, no. My dream was <laughs> no. to just like not go bankrupt.
0: <laughs> to have that was a really pension. Way to go. You did that one I too. I feel like it, my
2: parents set the bar so low. It was like just <laughs> have a pension and don't Can go you bankrupt. eat?
1: And eat, eat. That's food. it. That was feed your family. Was,
2: yeah.
1: So what? What gave you the actual idea for the forty-four chapters? What was?
0: It was. It yeah, was just want like in know the to know if the journal is real. Yeah. <laughs> Did you really so, write a journal?
2: <laughs> yes. Yes. The journal is real. So after I had my daughter, she was little like two or three months old, and I had my mother actually had given me fifty shades to read. <laughs> okay. It was my first romance novel mm-hmm. and I that was your was first ever first ever Whoa, handed to me God. by my mother. How awkward is that? Thanks and mom she's, she's like, oh my God, the shame in her face is she she's like a Catholic schoolgirl <laughs> she would be like <laughs> but she loved it just, enough
1: to give it to you though so yes, go. mom she was like.
2: <laughs> I got you here, and I loved those books. And after I read those, I just was like, "What else can I get my hands on?" So I started devouring romance novels while I was up late at night nursing because it would keep me awake. Yeah. I could read on my phone. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to turn the lights on, and um, I would go back and forth. I also love comedic memoirs, mm-hmm. like David Sedaris and Jenny Lawson and Mindy Kaling, and
1: yeah, um,
2: so I, it was it's so weird. So I would read these hilarious self-deprecating memoirs and then I would read like Jake Cronauer and then I would go back to the memoirs <laughs> I loved it and I was, and I kept thinking like god I could write these stories and not even make anything up I realized like I had dated these guys these like rock stars and these tattoo artists and the motorcycle club guy and I'm like I have these stories in me from real life I should just write them down. So I started writing them down and they came out funny. They didn't come out like, I mean, they're sexy, like a romance novel, but they came out funny Mm -hmm. because they're based on, they were like the comedic memoirs, you know, they're based on my real life. And um, so that's kind of how it was incubated. And I started just kind of writing these stories. And I came downstairs from nursing my daughter, put my kids to bed. And I swear, Ken refuses to validate my delusion. <laughs> he swears that I've made this up, but I could have sworn that I heard my laptop slam shut. <laughs> and then he was looking very guilty on the couch. I cannot tell I you how happy corner. this moment
1: makes me. I know. I wanted this and, part to be real so badly.
2: <laughs> and I was like, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck. I'm gonna cause I had been writing these stories about my yeah. exes. Like, I'm divorced, I'm getting divorced. or or murdered murdered. those are the only two options I'm gonna be smothered in my sleep or divorced (laughs) and but I was a psychologist at the time and my best friend who was just pure evil she is just (laughs) the worst Sarah Snow (laughs) that's I told her I told her what I was like just so you know if I get disappeared I want this in writing (laughs) like I was emailing her I want a paper trail and the next night Ken came home from work and he was like get dressed we're going out my mom's coming we're going on a date
1: oh he totally read it then yeah i was
2: like because he's gonna have served with papers and he wants to do it in public so i don't cause a scene that's what's happening oh shit wrong
0: i'm gonna cause a scene anyway (laughs) i'm
2: gonna cause a scene anyway and it was we just had this really nice date and it was romantic and it was so nice and so i told my friend about it and she was like oh shit you just found the holy grail of marital behavioral intervention. Cause that's what we do is we would figure out what kids are struggling with. And we would try to figure out like a way to enter an intervention plan to change their behavior. You know, Mm -hmm. she's like, this is what you need to do. You need to keep writing that fucking journal (laughs) and you need to figure out whatever you want him to do. And then write a journal about your ex-boyfriend doing it. And see what happens and so that's what I decided I'd write these journals and then I'd wait and like lurk and see if his behavior changed I wanted him to get a tattoo of my name he still doesn't have the tattoo compliments though, right? like I had all these objectives right. and so it was just a way for me to entertain myself and how fun like I had so my job was so serious and having two little kids at home is so serious mm-hmm. and it was just this little thing that I had that was fun and He's still, he's like, whatever, you're delusional. I didn't read it. I don't know what you're talking about. But I'm like, I sure. charted your behavior, motherfucker. <laughs> I know. I know it. You read that one journal because you did this thing and then you did the thing. <laughs> so it's still this like weirdness in our relationship because he's like, That's okay.
1: So <laughs> and then <laughs> those journals really genuinely just eventually morphed into the book. Yeah, now, huh?
2: yeah. So I didn't even know I was writing a book. I was just writing the journals. And then laughing with my friend over email and text messages and stuff about what was happening and I went to Sedona we were talking about psychics earlier before Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. recording started I went to Sedona on this girl's trip with my friend Sarah Snow and we went to this psychic and when I sat down with her she hovered over my right hand and she was like I'm picking up a lot of energy here you're a writer and I was like "Eh." You know, i am a psychologist. She's like, no, you're nope. a writer. You're writing a book. And I was like, no, I'm not. And she she looked me dead in my fucking eye and was like, you're writing a book. <laughs> I was like, oh shit. Okay. Right. I'm, I'm writing, writing a, a book. book. God. Maybe I am writing a book. But she like bullied. She was like, you're writing a book. It's going to come <laughs> through you in three years. You're going to reach new heights in five years. Blah, 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 blah. She told me all this stuff. And that was 2013. And I published the book in 2016. Damn. And that's so cool. In 2018, uh, it got bought by Netflix. That's, so it was three years, five years. That's, is so crazy. Crazy. Yeah.
0: that's so crazy. That's so great. But it
2: wasn't until the psychic told me I was writing a book that I decided to turn it into a book. <laughs> I was like, okay,
0: we're doing this. Planting that this seed. I'm going to do it. Thank you, Seduna <laughs> Psychic yes. Namaste. <laughs> Namaste. <laughs> Let's see. So we know you enjoy working from home. Um, like what's your favorite part about working from home? I think being accessible for
2: my kids. Yeah. I'm, I'm, pretty extroverted. I was worried about quitting my job and staying home because I didn't think it would be good for me. I thought I was going to go crazy. I thought I was going to become like depressed. Mm -hmm. Um, but because of social media, because of you guys, I have friends. I'm talking to people all day. I don't feel disconnected at all. I don't feel isolated. I have author friends that I'm chatting with. I have reader friends that I'm chatting with. Um, and then when the school calls and they're like, hey, your kid threw up. I'm like, cool, I'll be there in five minutes yeah. in the sweatpants.
1: <laughs> <Right>. So <laughs>
2: I feel like it's it's been so much better than I could have imagined. The hardest part about working from home is the fact that Ken also works from home and his ass is all over the house. I don't understand how he can simultaneously be eating crunchy cereal in the kitchen and like working out in the bedroom and watching sports in the living room and doing his job in the office. But he is at all times, just like running
0: around all the time,
2: all the time, eating something crunchy. (laughs) (laughs) so I work in my like kids' rooms now. I go in my son's room and shut the door, my daughter's room, and I sit in their bed and work. I need my own, I don't have an office. Oh so God. that's a bitch. But
0: um I mean if you
1: did when? have an office, when? then
0: he would be in there like eating crunchy shit.
2: He just wants to be near <laughs> me.
0: I'm sure. He's Obviously. So He's like, Of course I'll bring you Jameson. He was like just waiting for the text to come through. <laughs> he was really just standing outside the door.
1: Eating his (laughs) Crunchy
0: things. (laughs) So is there anything you miss about being a psychologist? I
2: miss helping people. I do. I don't feel like the reason I was able to leave that job without a second glance was because I didn't feel like I was helping nearly as many people as I wanted to when I Mm -hmm. got into the field. I thought I was going to be helping people left and right. Just just confetti of help everywhere. And instead I was doing paperwork left and right. Uh. And I was seeing like two kids a week. And I was, I just didn't, I didn't have the tools I needed to really help them the way that I wanted to. My hands were tied so much of the time working in the public school system. I couldn't tell them, listen, kids and adults make the most progress when they have a combination of therapy and medication,
1: mm-hmm.
2: if it's depression or anxiety or whatever, your kid needs to see a a, a private practice practitioner to get mm-hmm. the things that he needs to be successful. The only tool I had at my disposal was like visiting with the kid a couple of times a week, if that, which honestly, I would have to pass that off to the counselors because I was so swamped with my caseload
0: mm-hmm.
2: and special ed. Those were the tools in my arsenal. And those are helpful, but they're not comprehensive. Mm-hmm. Right, and I was extremely frustrated. My I uh, the um, National Association of School Psychologists recommends one psychologist for every thousand kids. Yikes. I was Jesus. down to part time, and I had twenty four hundred kids in my caseload. Oh what my
1: god! Fuck?
2: So it. My dad called it assembly line psychology. It yeah, was just you can't right. even, like get
1: to know what, them, custom even... diagnose
2: them, place them yeah. in special ed. That was the oh, wheel that I was on, and it didn't feel helpful. It didn't yeah. feel uh, like a calling. It's like I'm a bureaucrat, so I had become very disillusioned with that job. I was extremely overwhelmed, mm-hmm. and I just thought, like, bye. <laughs> like,
1: no, I I was going to ask if you felt jaded because yeah. that's but you I'm, know.
2: I do miss the few, the few hours I had a week to really sit down one-on-one with a kid mm-hmm. and work with them and figure out what was going on and try to get some things changed in their lives to make a difference was really magical. And I miss that. And I feel like I, tr- I try to do that with my readers as far as like posting about my eating disorder or doing meditations in my group mm-hmm. or just little ways. And I know I could do more but it, it kind of replaces that thing that I miss, which is helping people. And it's, it's another calling of mine. So I'm trying to be more creative with this, this job and this platform and try to find ways to do that.
1: Yeah. But even, I feel like your interactions with us as your readers, and I know other readers, just having that interaction is pretty cool. It's not, it's not always the norm no so it's kind of nice to have that so in a way look BB
0: just answered me i am your favorite
1: (laughs) you are my favorite yeah Yeah, obviously (laughs) (laughs) today i was talking to a co-worker and she's like how did you guys land her for this podcast i was like well carly's a stalker (laughs) (laughs) but also i said she's really accessible like she's like she has, she interacts with her readers constantly. Well, I think
2: a lot of that comes from, I mean, a lot of that comes from because I'm an extrovert and, and I was a psychologist. So I understand how important positive reinforcement is. Mm -hmm. I want, if you do something for me, if you post, if you tag me, if you, whatever, I want to positively reinforce that behavior. So that's, that's a behaviorist thing in (laughs) me where I'm like, yes, thank you. Thank you. But the no, other part mean, of it just, is I started as a reader. Yeah. And I remember being a little baby reader and and reading a book that just spoke to me so much and messaging that author and never hearing back. Yep. And going, fuck you, ho, you're dead to me.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: fuck you and your stupid book. I hate it.
0: Just kidding. You know, it's it, like, I and I like
2: put myself out there to be like, hey, Oh my God, I just read this paragraph and the way you wrote this thing, it was amazing. And I just and I just I just want you to know, like and then me. Yeah. And, and then crickets. <laughs> and it makes you feel like shit. Yeah. And I don't want anybody to feel that. I don't want anybody to ever feel that way because of an interaction or a non-interaction with me. Mm-hmm. So I do spend a lot of time and I don't have a PA. I do all of my own social media, even though everybody tells me I'm crazy and I'm up until two o'clock in the morning answering things. But it is very important to me that people get that feeling that you guys just said that you got because that's what I want. I want people to know that I appreciate them. I don't ever want them to get the feeling that I got when they're ghosted. Mm -hmm. And I also uh, selfishly want to positively reinforce you (laughs) (laughs) for supporting me.
1: (laughs) I mean, it doesn't hurt that she needs all all the the interactions. (laughs)
0: all right that's it for part one of bb's episode so be sure to listen next week for part two of the episode Thanks. thanks